We're making our, our way through Second Timothy, and that's kind of one of the, seems like that's one of the uh, under-the-surface questions, isn't it? Is he worthy, Timothy? You've got to come to Rome where things are dangerous and where I want to hand this thing off to you. Is, you know, is Jesus worthy of that kind of risk, or is he worthy of that kind of sacrifice, or stepping out, or those kind of things? I love that song. I love the moment that it pictures. I love the picture from, you know, Revelation, where they're looking to see who can open the scroll so that the judgment on the world that we've waited so long begin. And they can't find anyone, and then there's the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world who comes, and he's able to break the seal, and he's able to open the scroll and begin the judgments of the righteousness of God begin. It's going to be a great moment. It's going to be one of those people screaming and clapping hands and, and shouting kind of moments. Second Timothy, more and more I appreciate, is, is a, a book to get, to get us ready for that. If we can project beyond Timothy, it's a book to get us ready for that moment. And, and I, I have to tell you, this, this message is, is a pointed message. I thought, you know, it's about a, a worship song that Paul tells Timothy about or that he brings him back to in Second Timothy 2. And boy, so many of us, we have songs that play in our head when we, you know, when we get all kinds of things, when we're confused and when we're discouraged, when we're overwhelmed, when we're taking a step of faith, God just uses, he uses music to strengthen you in that moment. And they think that this part of 2 Timothy 2 is, is a worship song that they would sing. It's interesting, uh, this, the, the team saying that, you know, the old chorus, you know, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I was reading this week and on Twitter, either Voice of the Martyrs or Open Doors, they were telling us about 15 of our brothers and sisters who live in an extremely dangerous country to be a, to be a believer. I tried to go back and find it. But they were able to get out of country, and out of country, they were baptized, all 15 of them. And after they were baptized, that's what they sang. I decided to follow Jesus, no going back. Even though they're going back to incredibly dangerous situations. And this morning, if we're going to hear the word of the Lord, we're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to pierce this grace covering that we live in. That, you know, God is a God of grace and love. He loves me. He loves me unconditionally. He loves people unconditionally. And so I'm going to be okay. Because here's a passage that might say to you today, you're not okay. You're, you might be in real danger as you approach that moment with the Lord Jesus. As a saved person, we have the judgment seat of Christ waiting for us when 2 Corinthians 5 says we'll be judged based on what we've done, good or bad. Uh, if, you're, if you haven't committed yourself to Jesus or if you've tricked yourself into thinking you have, uh, then there's this great white throne judgment where there's only one decision for those who are there, and that is to spend eternity apart from God. So we need the Holy Spirit to just penetrate this safety in which we live in. I live in it, you live in it. I think it's, it's easy in America to live over that. I tell you, my brothers and sisters in Iran, they're not living under that. They're living under, you know, raw grace of just what it is to even be a Christian. To be a Christian is illegal. It's illegal to convert in, in uh, Iran, or I was thinking of reading this morning in Yemen. It's, it's against the law just to convert. So they're living there. They have no such grace cloud over them, perceived grace cloud. So... So pray with me, because it's important for how you, you listen. It's important for how I, how I speak. Yeah. So, Father, it's your word that penetrates, even piercing, like Thessalonians says, between 
bone and marrow between soul and spirit. It's not me. It's not the way I speak. It's not illustrations or anything, notes on the page. It's your word. And so that's what I pray would be empowered, you know, in this moment. Father, protect us on these two sides. Protect us from the evil one who accuses, day, accuses us day and night. And boy, and so many live in condemnation that's not from you. So protect us from him. But at the same time, protect us from ourselves, from layering ourselves that we're okay and that this is fine and, and we don't need to worry or this isn't for us. And help us to hear the word of the Lord. Like you used to say, Jesus, let him who has ears to hear, hear. You said that in Revelation. Let, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So would you give us that opportunity with you in, in this moment, really, this unique moment in our week where we're able to sit quietly before the Word and pray that that's what we, we'd hear. Pray that we have a sense as we lead of all of us that we have heard from the Lord and we know what's next in our journey with Jesus. That's what we pray in his name, that wonderful, powerful, majestic name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So calling Timothy being faithful to your whole journey. And this song, you know, is he worthy? We, sang, we started, you know, one of the early songs was I lay me down, I lay my life down. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? It kind of looks at what Revelation says, but over in Timothy, it kind of seems more like, is Jesus worthy of what he's calling for? I mean, he's calling for everything. Pastor Ted had that on his heart last week, that Jesus said, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Just look at your life as being over. And so that's kind of more and more, I appreciate what Paul is writing to Timothy. It's more of a pointed letter than an encouraging letter. Whenever I've thought of 2 Timothy, I think of 2 Timothy 4. You know, I fought the faith. I've run, fought my faith, run the course. I'm ready to see Jesus. He's got a crown for me. I always thought of that. I've not thought of this as Paul really leaning on Timothy to get where you need to be. You need to be here in Rome. I need to hand this thing off to you so it can keep going. And Timothy's a little bit hesitant on that. We've kind of seen as we go. He says, we started um, in 2 Timothy 2.8 a couple of weeks ago. He said to him, remember Jesus Christ. One sentence. Remember, that's a command. You remember Jesus. When you're wavering, you remember him. He's risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And then last week we came around you know, to, to look at this is the gospel for which I'm suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then he says this phrase to him that you see in 1 Timothy, you see it here in 2 Timothy a couple times, you see it in Titus. The saying is trustworthy. I think in the NIV that I used to use, it says this saying is trustworthy. This is true. You can believe this. You, you go with people and different things and I'm, I'm hardwired to be kind of the, I'm not so sure about this kind of person. I think that's from all the bridges my brothers would build a, across the brook behind our house and get me to try. That I've just kind of embedded this, I'm not so sure we ought to do this in me. Some of you are, are with me and some of you are, let's go, let's go. And other people are trying to slow you down to, is there a bridge? Do we know that there's a bridge there? So, so some are, are go, some are others. Here's the Apostle Paul, Timothy, go. Listen, trust me on this. Trust me on this. And when people say that to you, it depends who they are in your life and, and what it is they're saying. Timothy is, is Paul's protege. He, Paul sees him as, as a child of his. They have that kind of relationship. 
So when he says to Timothy, trust me on this. Here's a, here's a saying. Here's a song. Here's truth that you can trust me on. You can trust me on. Because some of you are going are gonna to leave today. I know you are because I've, I've had to work through some of this myself. Some of you are going to leave today. I'm not so sure about that. Trust me on this. The word is trustworthy in what it says. And you may wrestle with, well, how did I interpret it? But it seems pretty face value to me for how you're interpreting it. Huge for those of you that grew up in Christian homes that you're safe. Hey, you accepted Jesus. You kind of come to church. You might do the youth group thing. You're okay. You need to hear these words because I do not want you surprised at either judgment seat. I do not want you disappointed. I certainly don't want Jesus disappointed. And so here's this verse. Some, some writers say that it's an early New Testament worship song. Uh, some people say that it's what they would say when they were baptized. So he says, the saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's an interesting song to tell Timothy about at this point. And yet, the Apostle Paul, he never backed away from being really gentle and, and encouraging, also never backed away from being very straightforward. And, and that's what he's doing here. You have two positives, and then you have two negatives. You have a past and a future. If we died with him, we'll live with him. You have a present and a future. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. You have a present and a future. If we deny him, he will also deny him, uh, us. You, and you have a, a future, you know, a present and, or a future. If we are faithless, we could do that now or in the future. He remains faithful because he can't deny himself. Boy, and that's a little bit wider, a little bit heavier than we tend to, tend to think of it. So I want to just walk through the stanzas of this song so that, so that we hear that. There's a warning element to this letter to Timothy. Timothy, you've got to get here. This is the next thing God has for your life. You need to get here. This sense of, I lay me down, I lay my life down, my life is yours, Lord. Here's where it's coming to see. Is it really his or is it ours with a little Jesus dabbled on it? And so here's this passage. So that first line I'm looking at, a past moment means forever is certain. When he says in that first stanza, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. And so it looks back to this, really, some people write this mystical relationship we have with Jesus that, you know, he died for us, but when we came to the faith, when we put our trust in him, our trust that he could save us, you know, that his death on the cross was enough to pay for all of our sins, and we didn't have to do anything for that, and that he was worth following as Lord. When we put our trust in that, we died with him. You know, in that moment, there was this, this mystical thing that happened to you. Uh, Romans, Romans will talk about that. Um, let me just see. Roman, uh, yeah, come with me. I think some of these I want you to see with me, so I didn't put them up on the screen. I want you to turn to Romans 6 with me. Some of these are underlined in your Bibles or highlighted in your device kind of verses. In Romans 6, yeah. I'm going to start in verse 3. Romans 6, 3. He says, Do you not know that all of us, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You know, when I, we were up in Maine and the, our church in Maine was the oldest Baptist church in Maine and we had people to this day, I don't know if they were saved or if they were just Baptist. 
I mean, I have conversations with some of our old timers and everything they kept coming back to was, well, I've been in the Baptist church. I've been in the Baptist church my whole life. I've been in Baptist church since I was a kid. He says baptized into Jesus. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him and by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That moment in the past guarantees that forever is certain. If you've had that moment with the Lord Jesus, a moment where you realized that you were a sinner, that God was obligated because of his justice and righteousness to judge, and you realized that Jesus Christ was your only hope, your only salvation, your only savior, not yourself, not your church, not your works. You put your trust in him and decided you would follow him. That at that moment, you died with Jesus. Everything about you was laid to rest and he raised you up to live a new life. Some of, some of you, some people never get that. The life after they got saved is pretty much the same as afterwards, except they, they can talk about a prayer that they prayed or a moment that they had. That's one of my concerns with, if I can be honest, with the Franklin Graham event. A number of us have been reaching out to the people. We were assigned 10 people to our church and reaching out to them with very little feedback. And so I get concerned at things like that. We should still have them, but do people now have this thing that, well, you know, I said a prayer at the Big E, so I'm good to go. You can say all the prayers you want, but if you've not died with Jesus, then you're still spiritually dead. The past moment means forever is certain. If that is really, has, if that has really happened in you, there's been that thing that's, that's taken place. There's this interesting quote in, in a book by A.W. Tozer where he talks about this incredible Christian and just how the irony of what it means to be a Christian. He says, let's bring the whole matter down from the uplands of theory. Let's not just talk about things and simply observe the true Christian as he puts into practice the teaching of Christ and his apostles. Note the contradictions. And so he, he says, the Christian believes that in Christ he has died, yet he's more alive than before, and he fully expects to live forever. He walks on the earth while seated in heaven, and though born on earth, he finds that after his conversion, he's not at home here. Like the nighthawk, which is in the, in the air, is the essence of grace and beauty, but on the ground is awkward and ugly. So the Christian appears at his best in the heavenly places, but does not fit well in the ways of the very society into which he was born. He says that the Christian soon learns that if he would be victorious as a son of heaven among men on earth, he must not follow the common pattern of mankind, but rather the contrary. That he might be saved, he puts himself in jeopardy. He loses his life to save it and his danger of losing, is losing it if he attempts to preserve it. He goes down to get up. If he refuses to go down, he is already down, but when he starts down, he's on his way up. So... Uh, he's strongest when he's weakness and weakest when he's strong. Though poor, he has the power to make others rich, but when he becomes rich, his ability to enrich others vanishes. He has most after he's given most away and has least when he possesses most. He may be, and often is, highest when he feels lowest and most sinless when he's most conscious of sin. He's wisest when he knows that he knows not and knows least when he has acquired the greatest amount of knowledge. He sometimes does most by doing nothing and goes furthest when standing still. In heaviness, he manages to rejoice and keep his heart glad, even in sorrow. The paradoxical character of the Christian is revealed constantly. For instance, he believes that he's saved now. Nevertheless, he expects to be saved later 
and looks forward to joyfully future salvation. He, he fears God, but is not afraid of him. In God's presence, he feels overwhelmed and undone, yet there's nowhere he would rather be than in that presence. He knows that he has been cleansed from his sin, yet he's painfully conscious that in his flesh dwells no good thing. I mean, just talking about this relationship we have with Jesus while we still, while we still are trying to, to live in this world, that that past moment changed everything about you. And, and the reality is that Jesus is constantly trying to keep changing everything about you so that you don't stay stagnant, so that you constantly experience what he has of grace and mercy and power in a given day, and so that you're constantly allowing him to use you in ways that constantly stretch you and expand who it is that you're, that, that you're involved in. Jesus himself talked, talked about this, about, if, if, about dying with him. Jesus put it this way, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Just like you've got to bury that seed and allow it to die so there can be fruit, that's how our lives are. This is not my life anymore. This is not your life anymore. That's what Jesus said. This is what Paul taught. <clears throat> Paul says in, in Romans where we saw, you know, that we were buried with him, we were baptized with him, we've been raised to walk in newness of life, and then it was Paul's life story. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is not my life. This is not my life. Sunday morning, do I feel like going to church? Do I feel like serving? Do I feel like helping out? Do I feel like sharing Jesus with people? Do I feel like getting in the word? Do I feel like figuring out what my gifting is and using it for the kingdom? Do I feel like telling other people about Jesus? Do I feel like coming on Wednesday night? Do I feel like finding out what God's purpose for my life is? All of those come out of a verse like this. Am I crucified with Christ or was Christ just crucified for me? Because this is what Paul's telling Timothy. It's really strange. I mean, Timothy's given his life. I mean, he left home, traveled with Paul, went to dangerous places. Now he's in Ephesus. And yet Paul is putting this out pretty directly. Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying, you know, that if we've, if we've died with him, we will also live with him. If we've died with him. You're going to see that in every one of these. If we've died with him. And you can translate that, you know, the Greek language has different ways of putting is there a doubt in this? And you could translate it since we died with him. This is cause and effect in, in what should be happening in that. That past moment, that means, that means you have a, a certain future. The, the, scriptures, the scriptures will say in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So all these things that you get yourself involved in, all these things that you get your children involved in, they need to filter through this verse. Because if you can't serve or you can't come because of stuff, then you're not seeking first the kingdom or the king. And there'll be a day where everything's going to be evaluated, everything's going to be sifted out. And all those excuses that we're all so good at coming up with, Lord, you know how tired I was. Lord, you know how uncomfortable I felt. I'm telling you the things that I, that I try to negotiate my way out of with God. You know that that other thing really needed to be done yeah, I know that that was your voice, Holy Spirit. 
but that other thing, all of that is just going to fade away. There's going to be nothing to be said. So he says to Timothy, you're evaluating, you're kind of nervous about this next step, about getting you know, more deeply involved or coming to the center of where everything is hot. Just seek first the kingdom and everything else will be, be taken care of. That past moment, that makes sure forever certain. Can people be sure of their salvation? Biblical Christianity is one of, the, one of the unique religions in the world that can say we can know they're going to heaven. I remember a friend of mine talking about that with someone trying to share Jesus with her and she was convinced she was a Christian. She was convinced that she had done works and gotten baptized and therefore she was saved. And so my friend was trying to talk to her about those things come after. And she said to him, no, you've got the cart before the horse. You have to do before you can say you're saved. And then, and then I think she talked to him about being presumptuous to be able to say, you know you're going to heaven. Some of you have friends in, in other churches, uh, in, in other non-Bible non teaching churches, and they will say that to you. That's presumptuous. But what father doesn't want his children to know where they're going to spend eternity? And so First John says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know you have eternal life. I just want to make sure you have eternal life. I just want to make sure all these Christian home kids have eternal life. And that I'm not leaning on a five-year-old prayer. I've gotten to the point in my journey with people that I feel like if there's no hunger, if there's no conviction, there's probably no salvation. You get to a point where, you know, I can't be the judge of that. And, and I was talking to a couple of situations this week. There's still 1 Corinthians where some people are going to be saved, but as by fire. But I don't want to take that chance. I don't, want, I don't want people I know and love to take that chance. So maybe it's a matter of pursuing people that you've decided, no, they're good. Because what if they're not good? What if they're not good? So, uh, you know, a past moment, that... That means that the future, that forever is certain. This next line, I feel like he says, ongoing faithfulness now means significant later, significance later. He says the next verse of this song, next stanza in the song is, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Same word he used a couple verses earlier of himself. He says, you know, I'm suffering, uh, suffering as a, uh, a criminal. The word of God is not bound in verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Interesting choice of word. It's, it's a word that's used of someone who's not going to bail, of someone who's just going to stand still and take it. You know, somebody who knows this is where they're supposed to be, and so they're not going, they're not going anywhere. That's it. Paul says, if we endure, if we stay put, you know, if we stay in the truth, if we hang on to the truth, if we continue to follow Jesus and live with him, then we'll have significance later. We will reign with him. And so here's the thing that he's talking to Timothy, probably the people in Ephesus about as well. They were in a tough city to follow Jesus. People were telling them just to, to be quiet, just to, to sit down and, and to, be, to be quiet. And I really, you know, and it would be alarmist, but I really do believe that is the day we're living in in America now where there's going to be increasing, increasing pressure on us as believers just to be quiet just to, to sit down and be quiet. Someone's telling me uh, that um, a brother of ours was preaching up in Northampton, preaching well, preaching gently the word of truth, you know, let your conversation always be seasoned with grace, but had such a crowd of haters that the police came and took him away for creating a disturbance. 
in the land of free speech as long as the speech is not Christian. So we're in that day, and we're in a day more and more where this is not going to be if you endure, if you're, you know, if you've got somebody at work that's driving you crazy, and you need to endure that, or, you know, if you're going through something medically, and you need to endure that, we're going into a day that's so far beyond that, in a day where to live openly for Jesus, or maybe where you've chosen not to live openly for Jesus, as we talked about last week, that comes into play for, for what's coming in the future, you know, these, these early writers, we're going to see some verses from John and from Peter. They were trying to protect this thing the way that it started. Some of you have started your own business or had your own businesses or had projects. And boy, were you careful to protect that this is, hey, this is why I started this. These were our values. This is what was important to us. Can you imagine John and Peter? They wanted to protect that before they died. And so their letters speak to some of that. Tertullian, one of the church fathers, uh, who's alive around 160. So you're about 100 years after Paul has died. He said, the man who's afraid to suffer cannot belong to him who suffered. I mean, that's just how they looked at things. If people are bailing, they probably never were part of, they probably never were, were part of us. There's this, there's this moment coming when we will reign with him, which is this phenomenal celebration that we will have when Jesus will tell us, enter into the joy of your master, when Jesus will have this great celebration for us and he's going to say come on into the celebration we just have to remember what he says before that we have to remember before that he's telling the story of the the man that was given talents or the three men given talents i'm just following the line of one he says it'd be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one he gave five talents another two another one each according to his ability and then he went away he received the five talents he went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them, wanted to see how they had done. And he received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And based on that, his master says to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's for faithful servants who use what Jesus has given them that he says, enter into the joy of your, of your master. I want, you to, I want you to see some of these verses. So turn with me in, in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. In Revelation, one of the purposes of Revelation, they say, is to write to people that are suffering for Jesus to let them know someday you will be vindicated and someday God will avenge himself on the people that are punishing you. So Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful to death and I will give you the crown of life. You're going to be thrown in prison and I will give you a crown of life. No, you're going to be thrown into prison. You be faithful there and I'll give you a crown of life. Hey, pray for me because this uh, Thursday... I leave. Cindy, my, Cindy and I may go together. We're trying to sort that one out. Uh, we're going down to Mississippi. I've been asked to do my sister-in-law's uh, mother's funeral. And this was the verse they asked me to speak on. They didn't, they, her mom had, had something in her Bible that had Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. And then be faithful to death and I will give you the crown of life. They didn't realize what was in the middle of that. So I called and I said, are you sure that's the verse you want for the funeral? You're about to be thrown into prison and suffer. 
And uh, that was good for a laugh. But then the more I've thought about it and prayed about it, yeah, this is a good verse for funeral for life. Hey, God knows what Satan's trying to do. And no matter what that is, you don't have to be afraid. And he's going to redeem it. And then he's going to reward it. So Revelation 13.10, turn there with me. Revelation 13.10, just speaking to, again, the, this is the, you meet one of the beasts in this, past, in this chapter. He says, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Here's a call for the, for the endurance and faith of the saints. You might be arrested, endure and, show, and keep faith. You might be martyred, endure and, and keep faith. Uh, Revelation 14, 12, flip over there, just a chapter or so. 14, 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints to those who keep the commandments of God in their faith in Jesus. You have massive judgments going on in the book of Revelation. You have intense persecution. Uh, you know, so many, many believers are going to be martyred in the book of Revelation. And what is it that Jesus keeps saying? He doesn't say, I know it's hard. I know he just keeps saying, you endure, you endure. In enduring is the reward, is enduring is the reward. What is the reward? I mean, there have been things that, you know, as a kid and as an adult, you were told, this is going to be so worth it. It's going to be so great. You're going to love this. And we've all had those situations where you go and then it's like, really? This was it? This is what we waited for? This, as a kid, it was always, this is what we drove so long for? You know, and, and those say, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But you've also had things where that was awesome. So what is it when he says, when he says to us in, in Timothy, you know, if we endure with him, we will also reign with him? I want you to turn to a couple more chapters to Revelation 20. At the end of the tribulation, at the end of these seven years of judgment on the earth, the Lord Jesus returns and he puts down this worldwide rebellion against him. They, they, uh, they, throw, the, uh, they throw the evil one in the pit for, for the thousand years. And, and he's there. Um, and it says in, ch in chapter 20, verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who's the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him in the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. I have, I have written down the wrong verse. I am looking for uh, the reign of Jesus over for the thousand years. Okay, yep, no, I'm, in, I'm good. I was right, yeah. You heard that? I made a mistake once. I thought I was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, follow me, follow me in verse 4. Yeah, I've made plenty. <laughs> then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. We will reign with him. So now it's talking about us. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. So 
there are other places in Scripture that will speak to this. What, it, what it's looking forward to when it says we will reign with him, when Jesus Christ comes to earth, wipes out the kingdom of the world, and sets up his own kingdom, you have a worldwide government. And you need rulers over countries and states and cities and areas. You need, you need a worldwide economy. You need a worldwide system set up to rule the world. And we will reign with him in that. That based on your faithfulness now will depend what you do then. You know, people say to me, oh, I don't, I don't really care about the rewards or the crowns. I just will be happy to be there. No, you won't. At that moment that you stand before Jesus and you find out, you know, you find out what it is you're going to do, you know, and I, do, I don't get romantic about that at all. Oh, God, I was a pastor. Not only was I a pastor, I was a pastor in New England. Not only in New England, you sent me to Maine for 11 years. So, you know, what country am I over? I don't think that at all, really. I think, man, God, you know, my brothers and sisters, of, there's a brother and sister in Iran this week that found out that they, you know, how long their prison sentences were. The judge said to them their last hearing, if you will just deny Jesus, you can go home. One, our sister's married, has children, the other is a brother. They both said, there's no way we can do that. So I'm thinking I'm probably below them. <laughs> but as long as I'm just faithful to what it is God's put in front of me, I don't have to worry about that. As long as, you know, I'm doing in this church and I'm not coasting and I'm, I'm continuing to study and I'm continuing to have the conversations with you that I ought to be having and not conversations that I hope will just make you feel better or whatever, but whatever the conversation is that I do or whatever the word of God, whatever the word God puts on my heart, as long as I'm faithful to that, then I don't have to worry about where I'll be. I'll be exactly where I had to be in the kingdom. I just worry about people that, that won't be able to talk about anybody that they led to Jesus or anybody that they shared Jesus with or anybody that they discipled or a lifelong commitment of serving. Where are you going to reign? That's going to be an incredibly uncomfortable moment. It's a little uncomfortable now. Imagine when it's before Jesus. So I'm not saying that to you, and, and I hope you know my heart. I get no joy out of sharing that, but just the more and more this week went on, I just felt so impressed by the Spirit that this needs to be a wake-up call to us. It needs to be a wake-up call for some of you that have been here for a long time, but you haven't done much for a long time, you know? I also realize some of you are doing amazing things. We just don't know about them. That's why I prayed that we'd, God would protect us from condemnation, you know, but they would also penetrate where it is that he needs to penetrate. Are you growing? Are you growing in the word? Are you growing in serving? Are you growing in prayer? Are you growing in the life of the body? Are, are, are you helping us do what it is we feel God wants us to do here? When you look at your relationship to the church, are you helping us cultivate a body? Are you helping us cultivate relationships with each other? Are you growing and being equipped with the word? And are you taking the word you know and passing it on to other people faithfully and regularly as, as life allows you to? Are you being empowered by prayer? You know, so often it's, oh, I just really, I keep meaning to pray. I keep meaning to read the word. That's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut. It's not going to get you where you need to be, certainly on that day and certainly not now. And we will never make disciples that change the world unless, unless we are all in on that. All in on that. And so, so that's, where, that's where this thing goes, that, that the whole idea of ongoing faithfulness, it will bring, it will, it will bring significance later. 
there's a there's a passage that, there are a couple of verses that just you know a lot you know that kind of red flags me and then there's one that really scares me here are the verses that i referred to earlier you know uh, i think yeah i've gotten ahead of myself here so let me find where i am Hey, Chris, can you, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for, um, yeah, I'm looking for 2 John 9. Would you just click on whatever slide that was? Yeah. So as I said, John is here. He's trying to preserve this. Is it letting you or have I got total control of it? Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, this, so here's John. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, they don't stay in what Jesus kept teaching. They kind of get off of that. Does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Whoever bails. What do you do with people that, that they had a testimony of Jesus, they were in church for a while, they kind of grew for a while, and now they're gone? What do you do with that person? I've, I've invested in people through the years who, who now just kind of walked away. <laughs> Where are those people? You know, Peter will talk about them and say, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. There'll be people that'll be raised up in the church, they'll be false teachers, and they'll deny Jesus who bought them, bring in themselves destruction. That's a word that's only used of unbelievers as you go through scripture. So you'll have people in the church who are teaching. I mean, didn't Jesus teach about that? He, Jesus talked about, you know, the parable of the tares, that the master went out, he planted all this wheat, and then an enemy came in the night and planted these tares in the wheat, and it was hard to tell what was what until you got to the final judgment when they just sorted everything out. That's a scary thing. And then, and then here's this moment I think that I want you to turn with me to in, in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, Jesus is getting near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's, all these great things he's done to kind of reclaim what God says is right and wrong and what the standards are. This, this passage just kept playing in my mind over and over. You know, In Matthew 7, in verse 21... Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do we know? Well, who's doing the will of God? Who is doing the things that God wants done? Not who used to or who will get around to it, but who's doing that? This is incredibly scary. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a little scary for people that have no fruit. I mean, isn't that what Jesus told us to look for? How do you know? He says, by their fruit, you'll know them. The sower went out and he sowed seed and one seed fell on the ground and it was hard ground and so the, the, the birds came and they took it. Another one, he planted, he planted and, and it was in thin soil, so it never got roots, and so the sun torched it, and, and nothing happened to it. And then the next one had quick roots, and it grew, but the cares of life crushed it out. But the other one landed in good soil, and it bore fruit. 
it bore fruit. And that's what Jesus kept telling us to look for. By their fruit, you will know them. How do you know who's saved? Well, the best thing for us to look at is fruit. It's fruit, not words, but fruit. If, you know, if we, if we, endure, if we uh, endure with him, we will reign with him. But we need to make sure we're enduring. We need to make sure that, that we're genuine. Isn't it scary? Many people are going to say to that. They're going to talk about ministry they did in the name of Jesus, but they're going to find out they never belonged to him. You get a sense of that. Why is that? He says, you workers of lawlessness, because their lives didn't line up with the gospel. Their lives and how they were living didn't line up with what Jesus said we should be about. And yeah, there's some televangelists you find out their lives do not line up with, with what it is they're purporting. You know, this isn't a, again, this isn't a, a throw on the guilt message, but boy, this could be a reality check message. And, and here we are. Timothy, you've done a great thing. You're doing a great thing in Ephesus. It's time to come to Rome. That's a very scary thing for you, I know. It's got challenges, it's got unknowns, but you've got to come and you've got to step over that You've got to remember Jesus. You've got to remember that I'm paying my cost. You've got to remember that the word, the word, even if we get chained, the word cannot be bound. You've got to remember that we are looking ahead to the future glory that's coming, which is kind of where this whole thing started. When he says, you know, when he said to Timothy, where we saw last week, you know, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's what's waiting for us on the other side of being faithful, on the other side of, of walking in this. So we're going to come back and, and look at the, others, the other side of this, but this needs to be the reality check that we all take. Hey, Lord, I look in my life. Who can say I'm right where I need to be? Who can say that? No one. But God is not going to tell you, you are so terrible. The, the voice of the Holy Spirit in you right now is going to point out to you, here's the area you need to lay down. Here's the area you need to grow. Here's the thing you need to come back to. His invitation, even Revelation, wasn't it? was, come back to your first love. That's going to be the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit is not going to have a stick. Because I want you to hear what he's saying, but I, I want you to be protected from condemnation because that will lead you nowhere except backwards so today you need to hear the word of the lord you need to hear you need to hear what he said you need to hear what our early brothers and sisters are singing if we've died with him we will live with him there'll be that amazing day of heaven that will go on forever and ever and ever if we endure we will also reign with him but we want to reign right where he's planned for us to reign we don't want to be somewhere you know you don't want to be sweeping the streets for a thousand years because you, didn't, you never got around to whatever it was the Holy Spirit was putting on you. So let's stand together. Let me just, let's just pray over. Let me pray over us. Father, thanks that your word is so honest with us. Thank you that you want us ready for heaven and I pray you protect this moment in particular where decisions are made or where, you know, Bibles and minds and hearts get closed or where we give you permission to really speak to us. I want to pray for those. Maybe it's been a while since they've heard from you, Father, that you would just speak into their lives that which needs to be spoken and they would be able to receive that. 
we've been, you know, sin has twisted us so much that we can make ourselves sound like the Holy Spirit or we can, we can twist out what it is the Spirit's saying to us. We just want to hear purely from Him in this moment. What in our lives needs to change, Father? What is it some of us need to get back to or reprioritize? Who are people that we're just assuming are safe and we need that conversation to make sure or we need to, yeah, just keep bringing them to your throne? You did this, Jesus, because you didn't want anyone to perish but everyone to come and so... We recommit ourselves to that mission. It's not a mission to, to heal marriages or to get people sober or to you know, help people be content and at peace again. It's our mission to bring people to Jesus and in the course of that to find freedom and healing. And so just recommit ourselves to that. We recommit the things that go on in this building to that end. I pray for those who are enduring and who have endured for a long time, and I pray, Holy Spirit, they just receive fresh strength and strengthening from you to continue to endure. We've got, we got so many people in the body who've just been so faithful through so much, and we're so thankful for them and the example that they are to us. Help us to f- fully step into the faithfulness you're looking for from us. Some of us are confused, Lord. What is it you want us to do? You know, Some of us aren't serving in places because we just really, honestly, we don't know where or how. And so would you reveal that? Would you put a burden on their heart that comes from you or open an opportunity ahead of them that comes from you so that they can be that faithful servant? Some, Lord, have no clue what their giftings are. And so would would you make those clear, either through people that know them or just by you, Holy Spirit? Would you just unleash through this church what we know you can unleash. We want to experience that. That'll be amazing. It'll be amazing now, and then will it be amazing in eternity? So here we are. We, we give ourselves to you for that end, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.